Hello and welcome back to I Promise It Won't Be Boring. I'm your host, Anne Verhoeven, and each episode, my guests and I will revel in our most memorable travel adventures, discuss the highs and lows of living abroad, and so much more. Back in 2015, I won a trip to France. I've literally never won anything before in my life. I don't gamble, I don't play the lottery, and then voila, I've won this incredible trip, including flights, hotels, car hire, the works. So before you decide that you utterly hate my guts, it wasn't actually based on pure luck. I'd entered one of those 25 words or less competitions and put quite a lot of effort into composing some sort of clever haiku and had this feeling I'd nailed it. And very luckily, the person reading the entries was actually reading the entries. But anyway, it was still a shock when it happened. So at the time that I won this amazing prize, I was actually engaged. Not wanting to get too heavy, because this episode, I think, is actually um, really, really funny, so I do want to keep things upbeat, but I was engaged to the wrong guy. I'd been swept up in a whirlwind romance with someone who presented outwardly as charming, romantic, personable, but who in reality was incredibly controlling, manipulative, and gaslighting. In other words, emotionally abusive. So thanks to my own awareness and courage and the support of my amazing friends and family, I was luckily able to extricate myself from that relationship. But I had this trip that I'd won and I was supposed to go on it with my fiance. And then I was like, oh crap, who's going to come with me? So I asked a few girlfriends. I asked my mum because actually my dad had been on an epic trip around Europe the year before, which you'll hear about in later episodes. But for whatever reason, none of them could make it work. So then I landed back on dad and I could tell dad really wanted to go, but he felt bad to have had two trips in a row with me. And when I said, no, dad, come on, I'd love you to come, please come. I could tell how absolutely stoked he was. And I couldn't think of anyone better to be my travel buddy while I was going through such a shitty breakup. So this is the backstory really to how I ended up on a dad daughter road trip around France. This one, I think, will give you a bit of a giggle, so I hope you enjoy. I'd never flown Air France before, but I do recall that 50% of the, of the plane was business class. Yeah. I remember the staff were Amazing. next level. Yeah. They were just brilliant. And the food. It but they had baguettes. So... I remember the baguettes. They were actually kind of fresh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, it was a night flight. And it's a long, it's a fair, fair hike from mm. Singapore to uh, to Paris. And then we're flying all night. And I don't sleep on planes um, ever, even if I popped a few Valium. Um, I just cannot sleep. I'm so excited. It would be like me going to the Tate Modern or the V&A or the Rakes Museum or any of the great galleries in the world and someone saying, look, we'd like you to pull up a couch and just have a bit of a rest for a few <laughs> hours. It's an, it's an impossibility because I'm so wired and um, I do love red wine on board. Um, but one of the creepy things that I do, and it's a bit unnerving, it's I think your mind enters a bit of a an altered state. I know I do. And one of the things that I do, and it's not a really cool thing to do, but 
what I do, I look at the map and see the actual plane and where we're flying over. And we're generally flying over some really creepy place where there's a war (laughs) happening beneath us. And I'm thinking if we... Um, I go through scenarios. Now, I know that I've never told you this, and I've certainly never told anyone else, but I go through scenarios as to if we were forced to land, like there were hijackers on board, the process that I would go through. And obviously, being with you, how to protect you. And Aww. look, it's just weird, isn't it? And it's kind of, yeah. you, you get into this dark realm. Um, it's, it's slightly dark, irrational, but. It- but- yeah. Yeah, look, well, that's the thing with shift work. Um, that's one of the downsides. Have you ever done shift work, Anne? I, not so much, but when I used to work in hospitality, I would do back-to-back triple shifts in mm. restaurants where I'd work until 3 a.m. And then oh, I'd, okay. like, yeah. I'd, like I'd come home at 3 and then I'd have to start again at, mm. you know, 8. And like, mm. so I'd, I did a lot of, not shift work like all night, but I would ha- work late hours in restaurants mm. and bars. So Yeah, well, one of the problems that I... Um, had over the years with shift work is that at two or three in the morning um, you tend to like mentally it can amplify negative thoughts it's just a weird time when you really are supposed to be sleeping yeah Um, and I don't know I mean pilots and and the the cabin crew how they how they maintain crossing multiple time zones It's, it's a tough gig that feeling of jet lag when you arrive somewhere mm. and you feel like you've been hit by a bus for about two days. Yeah, no, it's it's scary. And and I think one of the things that the listeners um, need to um, sort of be able to appreciate is that, okay, you'd, you'd won this extraordinary... I mean, mere mortals, um, i.e. me, I probably would not have been able to afford the level of holiday that you'd won. Yeah, it, it was, was really quite extraordinary. and uh, Quite elegant. Yeah, and, and we rocked up at this amazing airport. And I remember the sort of they've, they've got the domed, the famous concrete sort of glass and dome, um, you know, terminals that are iconic. One of the things is or was, Anne, that we had to go and collect this brand new car. The hire car, yeah, because the, the trip car. was a road trip. It was, mm. it was when I won a French road trip, including accommodation, including flights, basically. Mm-hmm. So I remember it was, it was, you know, it was coolish. We're in Paris. I'm off my face with delirium. <laughs> I mean, oh, and here's a fun fact, everyone. Uh, driving on the other side of the road, it's not cool. <laughs> and it's dangerous. And Anne, you saved my ass so many times on both Did trips. I? Oh, yeah. yeah, by telling me, Dad, we're coming to a roundabout, go right, not left. <laughs> like, really scary. Yeah. Um, I don't want to jump ahead too much, but I'm, I'm just going to throw this into the mix, Anne, but I don't know whether I ever told you, but you recall when we were in Reykjavik, I had to go and pick up a hire car. Do you know that I actually smashed the mirror driving back to our little place? Did no, I ever tell you I that? Didn't. Oh, no. <laughs> no, I kept that to myself. Shit. Okay. Because Let, it's just anyway, we'll go. We'll get about into that later. But um, so we pick up this this brand new French Renault. So I've never driven a Renault before. Yeah, I've never driven when I'm when I should be in bed, tucked up, suck, sucking a dummy, and uh, and I'm about to to drive on the on the other side of the road. But and also, it's, and, 
Yeah, in it's the, seven in the, in the most... morning. So what are we? Yeah. Ha- what's happening? We we have to go into. We're not going into the outskirts. We're already on the outskirts of Paris. Mm. At this, I don't. I, do you know what? I don't even know how we found our way to the car place. Little, yeah, how um, did we even? You know I what? It, know. It's me. It's no. It's me and my organisational skills. I would have oh, had directions. Excellent. Love it. <laughs> um, so we get in this car, and we have to go to this five-star, magnificent, sort of a bespoke. Um, hotel that was meters from the Seine. So we get in the car and it was very testing over the next few weeks um, in terms of our relationship. And I know that we had some, uh, God, we had some moments, Anne, in the car. (laughs) Uh, We ended up in some diabolical places that no car should ever be in. That time we ended up basically on a railway track in the middle of a city with yeah. the boom gates. That was really messed up. <laughs> and the time the map said, oh, you go blah, 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 and we ended up on a highway, but they hadn't even been opened yet. Remember that? We were like in a uh, construction zone in the middle of God knows where. <laughs> I mean, we just couldn't actually. Anyway, look, that's that's when you use these these electronic maps. They, they, they're, they're not infallible. Um, so we sort of lugged all our gear into this vehicle. We we take off. I'm really nervous, and I, I'm a good driver. I am a good driver, but yeah. you know, all the things came together: strange car, strange country, jet lag, heading into a city. And I don't, I don't. You know what? I don't even remember driving. The first real memory that I have, Anne, of of one of extreme trauma. Because I was concentrating. I wasn't actually looking so far ahead. And we were heading towards this monument. Oh, the Arc and, de Triomphe. Yeah. yeah. Now, that's only... Um, well, let's just, let's just put, put, it, put it out there. It's only <laughs> the world's worst roundabout. <laughs> now, in Sydney or in England, when you go into a roundabout, you've generally got cars coming from one side of course but generally it's just one maybe two lanes deep but this the analogy that I would draw is when you pull the plug out of a large tub of water and there seems to be sort of calm on the outside the outskirts of the sink but as the water starts drawing closer and closer it begins to get that funnel effect and at the very epicenter, which is the actual monument, is the chaos. And it's like a vortex of madness where you get sucked into it. Now, once you've committed to it, you can't back out. And I remember looking up and seeing this sort of this madness. And then I began to realise the, the gravity. And getting onto this, this shitstorm of which there must have been, I'd say, well, there were hundreds of cars. And you kind of almost lose control of your own brain and you just become a part of this this sort of clockwork motion that's travelling. You're all travelling in one direction. But, I mean, if, if that's not bad enough, Anne, you then said to me, oh, Dad, you have to go down that street. So, of course... There was no way 
I could do that. So we we went around again. <laughs> and then what happens is you then have to start to prepare. But that means, because if you actually get stuck in the very middle, you're up shit creek without a paddle, in a nutshell. But eventually um, you, you guided me and we made our way, God knows how, and we sort of got off into this street and headed down and we're, all of a sudden we're heading down the, the I would say I'd say it was it looked from where I am thinking that it was the right bank of the Seine and we made our way into this um, this street and we were we were greeted by um, staff and they then thank God because there's absolutely look parking in Paris is just it's rat shit it's so bizarre and not great um, no but no. they, 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 they took the car and they... Um, oh, they put it somewhere. And they put yeah. it somewhere. Okay. And uh, it was great. That's great. That's really good. And the hotel now. was, um, I remember, and they had Verve Clicko for breakfast. Yeah, and that's one thing about the champagne. So I'd never been that into champagne before. I loved wine and I knew wine pretty well, but I couldn't really taste the difference with champagnes. I just thought it was all fizzy and okay, but not great. But I think you and I both developed a love of champagne on this trip because every time we arrived anywhere, they're expecting, you know, the hotels were expecting this couple romantic trip and it was a dad and daughter. They're like, okay, well, that's fine. We still have a bottle of champagne on arrival. That was lovely. Yeah, was very, so very nice. sweet. And yeah. um, our room was, um, was, was stunning. Yeah. I mean, it was very... Zen. <clears throat> it was very kind of you know minimal like design hotel. Yeah, you know it was really top shelf. <clears throat> and um, with then we go downstairs for breakfast, and there, I remember there were glass ceilings, and it was smoked salmon, and it was just it was really lovely. And mm-hmm. look, it was just marvelous, and we we were treated like VIPs um, <laughs> because it, it was a pretty serious prize you'd won. So we did manage to survive that car ride into Paris and spent our first few days going for strolls, sitting at bistros for hours on end, enjoying wine, and really just enjoying all the bougie perks of our amazing hotel. This was actually the second time ever in Paris for Dad, so it was even more exciting for him. Oh, look, you know, look, Paris is just so um, beautiful. It's but we were staying in a fantastic area. Yeah. Um, but you were a sort of a Zen master of Paris, and <laughs> I guess it's kind of you're a very, very good person to travel with because you're so organised and you've already created these itineraries in your mind and you also speak French, which is just quite wonderful. And I remember we were catching a cab and I actually recorded you. Um, Did I've, you? Got, I've got video, two videos that I've still really? kept. Yeah, of you speaking oh, I'd love French. To see that. I used to be so good. Honestly, I've lost so much of it because I haven't lived there for like 13, 14 years or something. I, I, I moved there in my early 20s for a year. Um, mm. But I feel I feel really rubbish at it. But it's nice if you think it sounds oh, good. Oh, Annie, I was overly impressed and quite chuffed and very proud to be uh, your father and to just sit back and. I mean, the. the you know, I don't speak French, but I got the sense that the conversation was flowing uh, relatively easily and, uh, and it was lovely. After Paris, we set off to an incredible place called Saint-Emilion, which is a medieval city in southwest France. <clears throat> well, it's UNESCO. The entire town is a UNESCO uh, zone. It is so spectacular and some of the great, great 
red wines on the planet mm. come from that region. Yes. And uh, we were staying in a treehouse. <laughs> that sounds so random. Wait, that wait. sounds weird. So, yeah. Just to explain it. So, um, but basically we, we had these, so we had four stops on our trip that, that I'd won. So Paris, Saint-Emilion, and then it was somewhere called Saint-Front-de-Pradou. Oh, that was the, the countryside, uh, the chateau. Oh, I loved it there. Which we can talk about in a minute. And then yep, we yep. went to the, then we went to the West Coast. Now that um, was fascinating. Near Mont-Saint-Michel. Actually, Mont Saint Michel was a very ambitious road trip that I made us do on the way back to Paris, but it was Trinity sur Mer, and it was uh, famous for yachting. Yes, so it was kind of like it felt like the Hamptons or something. So we go to Saint Emilion, and Saint Emilion is this yeah very historic town, and it's known for the wines like Chateau Fougere. Okay, so look, um, you know, we were actually staying in a treehouse in the middle of a, one of the most famous chateaus. Uh, vineyards. I mean, it was just, it was grapes and vines as far as the eye could see. And, yep. you know, we, we needed to go out for dinner and they had this system, like <clears throat> pretty well every single restaurant. And, and you are a serious foodie. And yeah. um, most of the places there were, well, there were a lot of three Michelin star restaurants there. And I realised, um, much to my horror... <laughs> that my bank account was about to be sucked dry. Because meals meals weren't included. So breakfast was included in the prize at every hotel, mm. but we had to buy our own, you know, lunch and dinner. So Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I remember walking. Um, some of the, they were all cobbled streets, and some of the streets were actually, I don't even go so far as to say slightly dangerous, particularly at night time. If it had have been raining, I'd say it could be borderline treacherous. And um, some of the restaurants were almost underground in, in sort of ancient cellars. And I remember this, it was around about, I reckon it would have been five thirty, six o'clock, um, sort of late afternoon, early evening. And there was a particular restaurant uh, and it was on the left-hand side as you look up towards the top of the town. And what happens, I don't know whether it happens here, um, but where we were, you could walk into a restaurant. Now, most of these restaurants are booked out and most of the people, most of the tourists, the visitors there, let's just say, say they're not short of a quid. So when you go out, you expect um, it, it to be expensive. And uh, this particular restaurant, they, had, they, they were booked out, but they had what was called a communal table. So, and, and I was dressed quite nicely um, and you were, you know, you were dressed very nicely, and we were shown to a circular table in this restaurant. And I remember looking at the menu, and kind of my heart sort of seized slightly. <laughs> and and that and that would that was not even thinking about the wines, which were, I mean, we're talking. But it's a, it, look, hey, you're in a historic, famous region. Uh, you definitely got the sense. That pretty well all the people there were were comfortable. Let's put it that way. And we had just um, we hadn't ordered yet. And then I remember this: the waiter comes over and he's standing with the waiter. Is this gentleman? And I would describe him as perhaps mid twenties. 
and I would describe him as a tall, handsome man with sparkling blue eyes and an accent that definitely made me forget all about my recent breakup. And he was wearing a, from memory, a blue, it looked like a velvet, um, sort of a di- dinner jacket. And it had a monogram on the uh, area, on the pocket. And I thought to myself, this guy, in fact, I thought that was his family crest. And I thought, <laughs> family crest, he's absolutely putting me to shame uh, dress-wise. And he said to uh, me, because he, he understood that I was the father, he said, look, um, would you and uh, your daughter uh, mind if I, if I joined you tonight? Now, that was kind of weird for me because that just doesn't happen in Australia. Yeah, and if you're sat on a communal table, you don't interact, you don't, you don't talk. No, but there were only three of us on the table and he sat opposite me, so you were in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> and he clearly, from probably the second he saw you walking past the restaurant, he's probably thought, ah, and then I'd say he made a beeline for this particular uh, <laughs> no. uh, restaurant that you were sitting in because you were, you know, he thought, wow, she's attractive. Um, so he, he looks at the menu. Obviously, we ex- exchanged pleasantries, introduced and, and gave him an overview. Uh, then he looks at me and he says, now, he probably would have called me John by that stage. He said, now, John, of course, you and I, we are going to pay for your daughter tonight. And I thought, oh, okay, well, that's, you know, that's scary because he was obviously, I, I had the impression pretty early on that he, you know, he was, he was not, he was wealthy. I'd say. Well, he, I, if he's that age, probably his family's wealthy. Yeah, family, family. But we had a really nice evening and he, he was basically kind of, being sent by his family on a fact-finding mission to find out the secrets of the great wine from this region. And he'd driven down from a country many, many, many countries away up north. You can talk about what country he's from. Okay, well, it's, um, the country is Austria. And he was, he was affable, charming. I liked him. And... Uh, we had a wonderful evening, and it was very expensive. Uh, from memory, it was probably well. It was in. It was a lot of money, and I just had to sort of, you know, keep up with, with whatever. And he was choosing the wines, and he, you know, he didn't choose. I don't think they had cheap wines at all. No, and 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 the background is he he was a, a chef, and yeah. he's he worked in the hotel industry, and his family who kind of owned. Um, properties and mm. you know hotels they were sending him around the world including to France on this particular trip to like spend a good few months at each place learning mm. the tricks of the trade so in yeah. this case he was with one of the best winemakers in the area um, and then he'd done some stints all around the world in different you know with different chefs so he was kind of picking up all the best things to take back to their hotels um, for me like when I met him I thought I knew he was a chef straight away because I'd worked in host I've mm. worked in hospitality for over 10 years and I just I know how they carry themselves I know how they speak to wait staff which is very respectful mm. I know that they often come in without a reservation so they might just be sitting at the bar on mm. a 
share table in this case and I know mm. what they order and they order things like foie gras, they order, they know about wines, they they try the house specialties, they, and, and I just thought straight away, oh, he's this kind of young chef guy, I just... Yeah, but yeah. he was, he was, he was, I, I look, and you know I really liked him and, and I thought he was great yeah. and, and I tried some, some new uh, food that night, in, including a warm pate, yeah. Never had one, ever had it before in my life. I was quite in awe of it. I've never had it since. And I remember mm-hmm. it melted on my tongue. Um, and, and he was kind of, you know, I think we basically let him choose, but he was liaising and, and communicating with, with the staff. And um, I think they knew which vineyard he was with while yeah, he was and there. He, and he spent... I don't know at what stage he was in his time there, but I think he spent at least three months there. So he would have been a local by that stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he and he said he used to come there all the time. Mm. Like it was like his local place, and that's yeah, why he. Yeah, yeah. And now for the juicy part of the story, and I'm not talking about my, how my steak was cooked. It's true. This is where things got interesting. So we'd had a lovely night with this guy, and we'd agreed to meet up for dinner uh, with him the next night as well. We'd found somewhere based off Google recommendations and asked him to meet us there. But when we arrived, we took one look at the place and then at each other and back at the place and then at each other and we kind of just silently agreed that we didn't want to eat there and we made a beeline for the door. Our chef friend then casually suggested that he knew a nice place down the road. When we rocked up, we realised that he'd taken us to more than just a nice place. It was maybe the nicest place in the whole town and potentially one of the most fancy restaurants that I'd ever set foot in. I remember because I, I had to call my bank manager urgently. <laughs> I cabled him and said, mate, I, ne- I need an advance because I'm about to go out and get wiped out <laughs> by this extraordinary place. And that, oh, God, now it's all coming back to me. Yeah, it was yeah. totally and utterly booked out. And you and I stood outside and he went in and I'm buggered if I know what he said, but... Whatever he said, it must have been really... I, I have a feeling that he pulled some major strings. That's that, You don't just... Look, they kept... These restaurants, the top restaurants, they keep one table in case um, George Clooney and his wife rock up. Um, <laughs> you know, or, or, or one of the, one of the absolute... And, and that's possible. These things happen probably all the time in this particular town. And he, 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 he really, and I remember being outside with you, Anne, and I was quite embarrassed because we basically, once they signaled to come in, it was like walking, it was, for me, it was like walking the gauntlet or the walk of shame. And, but then again, I thought, ah, oh, bugger it. And then I began to sort of puff my chest out of it and think, well, hang on a sec. People probably think that we're really important. Yeah, so and he was cool. also wearing, he was also wearing his little crest again, which turned out to be a Relais Chateau badge which ah, that's right is part of that it's it's mm. like one of the most exclusive hotel groups so they would have he probably knew them i mean he probably name dropped he might have said oh done that old trick where you say oh my secretary called ahead and booked a table uh, and yes. then yep yeah whatever he said it worked yeah. uh and that was a, that was a magnificent evening that was where i just really thought you know what probably not going to do this again for some time in, in, in such a beautiful location with great company. And the evening was, um, again, yeah. remarkable. 
and um, and we had an, an amazing night. Um, mm. I do remember been- there was sorry, I, I do remember there was like little touches like about the menu. I didn't have pricing on mine. Oh, that's right. Yes, well, that's a good one, isn't it? Um, which reminds me, once we went, you took me to uh, that great restaurant, Jules Verne. Oh yeah. In the Eiffel Tower, and and but you were paying for me. Yeah. But they gave me the menu with the prices. <laughs> yeah, that's right. The because they assume waiter. the man's paying. I yeah. know. I know. But in this case, like I remember, they gave you and the guy, our friend, our new mm. Austrian friend. They gave him, you both, the men, the menus with the prices. I couldn't see a thing. Didn't I? Didn't realize it was a three Michelin star restaurant that he'd, you know, walked us into after we. Tried one restaurant, didn't work out. Oh, let's just casually drop into a three star. Yeah. <clears> the <throat> one, think... the one the night before, Dad was probably maybe one star, maybe. Okay, and cool. This was next level, and I mm. remember you kind of. And he said again that night, John, let's let's invite Anne, because <laughs> in in German um, they say invite, meaning shout. Let's like it's our treat. Let's treat mm. her. And he said, let's invite her. And I remember you <laughs> kind of looked at me like, I hate you. And like on the menu, there, I remember there were ridiculous items like risotto with like gold leaf on top. Mm. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> my brain actually has sort of, it's put it in the vault. Where I can't, yeah, I can't actually, you know, I can't recall um, those those parts Too of the traumatic. evening. Yeah. Um, you know, and... I mean, let's let's put the cards on the table here for listeners. He came from a virtual dynasty. I don't, uh, and I still don't. So, you know, it was relatively. But these people that are in that level, I mean, he can I can I tell one of the stories about that he told us, or or is that being too specific? Let, let's just say that. Uh, he some has of exclusive the, guests at his hotel. He has exclusive the, the guests, and, and and they have this special jam that they make from some berry up in the mountains. That's only the it only fruits for about one hour a year, something <laughs> like that. No, it's insane. And and yeah. these these um Niche. these these Arab sheiks had flown in on their private jets, and they mm. bought one of these jars of some jam made from this rare <laughs> holy jelly or bean or or berry and um and they flew back to wherever and they they and the sheik said to the you know the crew or the pilot or someone there where where's my jelly where's my my con conserve uh and they'd they'd left it and and he told them to fly back which they did they flew back to this country (laughs) No, it's incredible. That's one. Of the, that's one of many stories he regaled us with that night. Mm. And it was um, very, it was very impressive. Look, and it I was impressive, and and the guy's not a bullshit artist. And I just, mm. I wanted to go there. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to get a a, a week there, which never happened, <clears throat> might I add. But um, well, so, it didn't happen for you. No, but, but it, that's it may story. have happened. Yeah, that's another story. Um, <laughs> but um, you know that that's cool. I, you know, I just paid. The, for the meals, and then you get to. No, Dad, I, no, I'm, I'm sure kidding. I transferred you a bit after. Oh, yeah. it's all it's all good. Um, but then what happened that night? We get home. I'm 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 tired. You you feigned tiredness, <laughs> and then um, we go to bed, and then I became kind of aware that I just had this sense that something was happening, and I 
I don't know what time it was, but let's imagine that it was midnight, 1am, something like that. Now, I remember you not... Because I could kind of just see your silhouette as you crept towards the door. (laughs) And I'm thinking to myself, I'm lying there almost in a frozen catatonic state, not quite aware at that stage but it didn't take me too long because I didn't come down with the last shower to think hang on a sec and then I remember you very furtively and quietly tippy-toed out closed the door then I was aware I'm not sure how but I definitely am aware that you then put your shoes on so you you thought you were being really clever (laughs) and I'm just lying in bed thinking and then of course I knew now, I didn't hear any car because what you'd done is you had organised, God knows how, in a, in a place we'd never been to before, you organised to meet said gentleman, but he couldn't have driven his massive limousine too close to our treehouse. He didn't have a limousine. Whatever, black Mercedes, yeah. same thing. And, um, but the tyres would have made sort of a noise on the crushed dirt so you would had to have made your way down some path in the moonlight assuming there was moonlight it was certainly dark and there's not a lot of lighting he may have like in a 50s spy drama he may have flashed his lights so you could sort of focus I'm just (laughs) hypothesizing here Anne trust me because I have no idea really what happened but what I do remember is lying in bed being totally unaware or thinking to myself if because let's face it we don't really know the guy um you haven't said to me dad i'm i'm going out we're in a strange place i'm just telling you from my perspective from a father's perspective and as a father you know it's it's generally i mean particularly taking into consideration my background in 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 my professional career um so, you know, you start going through all these scenarios and, um, you know, how are you going to, you know, ha- what do you say if, if, you, if you don't come back? And I, I just lay there until you came home. <laughs> and you came home from memory. It was definitely hours later, and, um, but it was still dark. Yeah. Because in theory, but I, I couldn't resist it, could I? So you've come in and I think I've said something to you. Yes, you did. I don't remember what I said you to said, you. But... You said, where were you? Oh, okay. Um, anyway, so yeah. yeah, but it was, that was, that was, that's from my, my side of things. Um, yeah, yeah. But you know, and you're I... an adult, you're an adult for God's sake. I mean, God, I mean, really. Yeah, but, but it was so funny because from my side, like, There'd been a vibe, obviously. I thought he was cute, but I'd also, I was also just going through a breakup. Uh, well, sorry, yeah. I'd just recently been through a breakup and I was kind of just, um, you know, I just thought, why not? Let's have a bit of fun. And um, you were passed out doing your signature snoring, but what I didn't realize is that you're kind of a light sleeper, even though you snore heavily. Mm. So you were like, you were asleep, you were snoring. I thought, okay, he's out. And I thought, okay, well, I'm not going to, what am I going to do? Like write a note and let, put it on his forehead, like put it on the bed next to you. Like I couldn't find a pen. I couldn't find paper and I couldn't text you because we didn't have, 
I don't know. I can't remember what the deal was with the data or the phones or something at the time, but I thought, well, I'm not going to text him because he keeps his phone on. I don't want to wake him up right now. Mm, and mm. so, yeah, in oh, my mind, I was know. like, yeah, cool. Y- I, yeah. I, yeah. Well, that's good. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Oh, right. Yeah. So no, I'm only I, getting I, to hear this for the first time after how many years? Well, that was 2015. It's been a while. So, um, yeah, no, I was looking around for solutions and I thought, well, firstly, don't want to wake him up because he's asleep. So I'm not going to text him. I kind of tried to stay as quiet as possible. And he said he'd meet me like up in the driveway, which is further away. Mm, And mm, but mm. I didn't I if I'd known that you weren't comatose, I would have woken you up and been like, I'm heading back out for a drink. And I would have. Yeah, but I think I just thought, well, he's asleep, so I don't want to freak him out. Yeah, and I just, I felt so bad, like, to have worried you. You know, we were very aware that you were back there. Mm. Um, anyway, look, it all ended really successfully. If by successful you mean that I managed to squeeze in a hookup with a very cute guy whilst on a trip with my father getting over a breakup, then yes, this was a huge success. But at the time, before Dad and I had discussed things on this podcast years down the track, it was very much thrown into the this is far too awkward to talk about basket. So let's just say that the car ride the next day started off a little bit tense. Um, and I think when you're travelling with your family, it's you've kind of got to... Look, you do get the shits with each other because you're in <laughs> close proximity. And um, But most of the time, I would say 98% of the holiday was perfect. But occasionally, you know, people just want to be on their own. A father-daughter trip like that is, I mean, there must be so much written about it. um, Well, actually, honestly, yes, but I don't know, Dad, because I don't know anyone who's been on a really big father-daughter trip apart from my dear friend Joe, who years Mm. ago took her dad back to his hometown in Italy and like did mm. a similar trip. And that's actually what inspired me was Joe's trip. Um, mm. When we went on our first trip, I thought, gosh, that would be very special. No, it's amazing. It's wonderful. And it's really, you know, it's, it's bloody brilliant. I mean, my father could never have done anything like that with my sisters yeah. ever. It's just, but I think on the whole, you you and I have, if you add the two, the two holidays, mm. We're we're talking combined at least two months, aren't we? Yeah, we've had some great trips, Dad. So the next stop on our trip was to somewhere called Saint-Font-de-Pradeux in the Aquitaine region of southwest France. And our hotel here was this very stunning chateau um, called Chateau La Tulière. And definitely one of the best hotels experiences I've probably ever had. Um basically due to the amazing hosts and how they ran it as a very bespoke personal guest house with all these wonderful dining experiences. Well, it was um, it was your classic kind of, I would describe it as gothic, uh, very tall but relatively low footprint, but it was in a wooded kind of low-lying, relatively flat forest like a pine forest. I can't believe that we actually stayed in this place that originally was the home of a gentleman, a lord, a nobleman. Mm. Um, We know that because of the incredible stained glass windows that depicted him and his family. And we were greeted by by two guys, uh, a couple. Yeah. And... 
you know, they spoke impeccable English. They were waiting for us. They they knew we 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 basically drove up this beautiful wooded pathway. I mean, it was summer, and there was a swimming pool there, and there was a the the, the remains of a uh, like a nineteenth century greenhouse. And I was just into the photography, and it was just a delight. You know, we we'd be called down to to our early morning breakfast, where you'd go basically into this basement and it was just meats and cheeses and breads and I was in food heaven <laughs> it was incredible and then mm. they had a like a communal table Anne, in the dining room like mm, a, almost dinner. like a bank it was like a banquet and they would um, I mean they, the food was just top shelf yeah and you know they had smoking rooms and th- oh they I think and did they have an honor I think they had an honor bar does that ring a bell? Yeah, they had an honor bar where you'd sit in the living room, which was basically like a huge study with beautiful big leather so you know mm. sofas and armchairs and very yeah. like you were really in like a manor house and there was an honor bar so so like a little cocktail like a drinks cart and you could just pour mm. yes. some whiskey and then just kind of pop mm. some cash in a box or like mm. basically write something on a list and they'd add it to your to your charge later. But also, do you remember, Dad, that they would come around every day and say, will you be attending the dinner tonight? Yes, yeah. And we thought, what dinner? And and it turns out that it was this beautiful dinner where they'd put on a, a banquet or like a, a, a formal dinner party for all mm. the guests. Yeah. And so they'd, they'd come around in the morning or afternoon and say, will you be attending? And if so, um, do you have any dietary preferences? And they'd tell you about the menu and all of the vegetables and herbs and fruits would be grown in their in the on the property mm. and you know they had these beautiful chickens wandering around that would lay eggs and you know everything was very much like earth to table yeah. yes well we went to this dinner party and i mean people were genuinely interested in you and me they were in- interested in the <laughs> father-daughter dynamic but you know they had not just one uh fairly interesting character but they had two uh you and me and because we've both got wonderful life stories and <laughs> There was this particular couple. She was just unbelievable to look at. I remember she had beautiful sort of a tanned complexion, beautiful sort of dark hair. Her eyes were just outrageous. And do you remember that fairly unusual thing she did every one minute end at the table? Oh, yeah, touch up her lipstick. Touch up her the most red lipstick you've ever seen. And she was continually taking out this magnificent uh, lipstick container. She, her, her dress, her outfit was, was stunning. Impeccable English. But he, he was a top, top lawyer in Paris. And she was a news presenter on oh, one yeah. of the great TV channels in, in Paris. Mm. And, and they had come down uh, without their kids uh, for a break. And her mother was looking after her daughters. He only did defence work, I remember, which is always interesting if you have a defence lawyer and a police officer, although I hadn't been in the police for some time, but you can you always sense there's a, a little bit of tension uh, in the air, but we you know, we worked through that and it was great. And we, we, we had marvellous evenings and, and just great dinners and sitting at this yeah. grand table that, was, that probably would have seated... Uh, I reckon it would have seated 20 people. 
comfortable. I th- yeah, it was. Yeah. And um, it, there was, it was and just... there was no option. There was no option to be like a loner. That was what was interesting at this ho- at this chateau was that if you were a guest, you would eat at the dinner party that night, mm, and you'd that's you'd, right. That was their philosophy, and and yes. but I think at first both of us were a little bit uncomfortable with that. Mm-hmm. But there were other people at the table who I just totally can't remember. Yeah, uh, I can't I remember wish... anyone else. No, I don't remember anyone else. I think actually there was a couple from England. Um, uh, I- but yes, they they the standout um, couple aside from you and me that night <laughs> uh, were the couple opposite us. I remember you and I did the most beautiful walk through the French countryside and we came across a river. We came across some really nice old farmhouses. I was in photographic heaven and it was a blue sky. It was warm. It was quiet. We were in the in the French countryside and I thought it doesn't get much better than this. <laughs> it no, doesn't. It was and- beautiful. And remember, Dad, we, I think I've got a photo. We were picking wild, like, blackberries. Yes, and just yeah. <laughs> No, it's just, it's, you can't, Paradise. you know, the timing. But I imagine that the organisers of this particular prize had chosen a beautiful time of the year, taking into consideration the regions that we were going into. And we, and I don't know whether you know this, but we clocked up 5,000 kilometres so we managed to rack up lots of extra miles on this trip because I thought, how can we make it even more exciting? Well, for me and my dad, this would be exploring historic sites, or in this case, castles. As many castles as we could possibly pack in. Oh, it was... And you... I don't know where you found these places, but we went to some castles. So you always took us off, off the beaten track. And funnily enough, wherever you took us... They were they were never crowded, but they were spectacular, and it makes you realise <clears throat> just because you know you did so much research. Mm. These were things that were not on the itinerary. Um, no, so I remember we went to I think the most spectacular castle I wanted us to visit, which was somewhere I don't remember which where it was between, like between stop A or B or C mm. or D, but it was no. um the the Chambord. Mm. Chateau de Chambord, which is very famous. It has a huge moat and mm. really stunning. And I just thought, well, if we're doing this trip that's paid for and if we're going from, you know, one part of the country to the other, what could we stop off at in between? Mm. I remember when we parked, we parked kilometres from Mont Saint-Michel. Like it looked yeah. like a, a, it looked as though it was 10 kilometres away. Mm. And we walked and it was sort of like this procession of ants walking and walking and eventually we just got closer and closer and then you've got the famous mud flats and it was low tide and you just come to this extraordinary it's a it's a village with a cathedral on a rock and up until relatively recently at high tide, it was cut off yeah. completely from the French mainland. And you and I walked in that town, didn't we? Oh, 
We did. And we didn't have long. And I think this was part of the slightly stressful circumstances was that we we only had a little while before we had to, you know, there was a cutoff time that we had to drop the car back in Paris. Yeah. yeah. Which but, was yeah. very traumatic. <laughs> Sorry. It was so traumatic that I actually, if I think about it, I'll actually suffer PTSD. Okay. Because it was but- ir- irrational and illogical and crazy and insane. You had to go through a tunnel. <laughs> And then at the very end of the tunnel, in peak hour, because we, I think we rocked up to Paris on a Friday afternoon, the worst time in Paris. Mm. And you remember we kept going round and round. Yeah, we couldn't find the entrance to this car drop-off And it turned point. out to be this weird entrance in a building. And then when we eventually found it and drove in, it was like this long driveway encased in the middle of the like the bowels of a building and it had all these weird shops and every shop was a different hire car company yeah. and we made it just in like the nick of time. five minutes before. I think it was we had so to- scary and we also had to fill the, the car up with petrol. Oh, God, that was the point. Yeah. That we- yeah. So I think, I think I did a bit of a – look, I was determined for us to visit Mont-Saint-Michel and obviously that was a wonderful experience and, we'd, you know, I'd like to go back in less stressful circumstances but um, – that was one of the moments where I think it could have really gone gone badly because oh, the point was, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we had to, you know, when you drop off hire cars, if you don't make it, uh, you know, before the cutoff point, you have to pay for a full other day and all that jazz. Yeah, and Anne, we drove that day probably six or 700 kilometres. Pa- France is a really big, big country. <laughs> yeah. it, it's so big. I reckon, I know I, I'm not sure, but... Look, it's it could be the size of Australia. I don't I know, mean, but it looks I don't massive. Know. Yeah, I think look, it is big and I think the fact that we drove from the west coast um town of our final destination all the way to Paris and with a stop off in the north like a huge detour to Mont Saint Michel was a little bit silly on my part, but I mean we did it. We did it. With five <laughs> minutes to spare. <laughs> We wrapped up our wonderful road trip back in Paris, where we tacked on one week more just so we could enjoy the City of Lights a little longer. I also did a cheeky side trip to Basel, Switzerland for one night for a friend's 30th birthday and left Dad to his own devices. I had one of the best days of my life. I got to spend the entire day at the Louvre (laughs) by myself and it was pissing down outside. And I was, I was engrossed <laughs> for a day. No, it's important to, you know, when you're in Europe, do a few little things. But it gave me some time to explore and um, it made me kind of want to own. I felt as though I had a bit of sort of, I kind of felt more um, sort of in control. being Because it's very easy with you because like when we're, Mum and I have been with you in Tokyo and, oh, well, God, so many other places um, for other podcasts. But um, we kind of just chill and sort of zone out because we know that you're taking care of everything. But all of a sudden when you're left in a city by yourself and you want to get to the Louvre and we were we were probably yeah. at least, oh God, I'd say we were probably maybe 6K from the Louvre. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, and but what I did when I was in Paris by myself is that I would always walk parallel roads to get to a destination. Oh. So I'd never go along the main drag. I'd always be at least one or two streets either side because then you got to experience the 
the part of Paris, the more sort of the suburb type vibe. Yeah. As opposed to the busy main roads, which are very busy. But I loved walking. Um, and I, I love museums and galleries. And I went downstairs um, when you came out of uh, the little flat we were in and it was it was absolutely bucketing down. And I went in. To, I think we were staying in a bit of an Arabic quarter. Do you yeah, remember? Yeah, I do. It was... Um, it was definitely a, a strong kind of very... Multicultural. Sort of Middle Eastern, multicultural. And I went into this coffee shop early in the morning and I was the only, uh, well... I was the only Caucasian and these, you know, there were guys on the shisha and it was very much, you know, um, it was it was a very sort of very interesting vibe and I sat at the bar and I just had to kind of, because there was zero English and I had to sort of um, articulate or gesticulate uh, with sign language what I wanted and I managed mm-hmm. to to do it and then I felt comfortable which then I could just, hold up a finger and to get another one and I sort of loaded up on on coffee and I used to love going and getting fresh bread um, and getting some cheese and some meat and just throwing something together and and off I went <laughs> I, w- I was so happy and um, I knew you were safe and having a great time and I think it was great because what happens is of course when you get to catch up you know reconnect, we're both sort of re-energised. If you thought this trip couldn't get any more exciting, we ended on a high note when we were invited to a dinner party at the home of the fabulous couple who we met at the Chateau. They invited us to their house in Paris. And that was... A memorable evening on so many levels. And I also, I guess you and I weren't starstruck in terms of, I'm just trying to give an analogy for people listening in Australia. It would be like going out to dinner with Yana Vent, who used to be on 60 Minutes. Or, <laughs> yeah, no, we did. It's like that. But yeah. we didn't know that. So no, we were because, unaffected. Yeah, but also, I, I, I don't know if you remember this, but when they invited us to dinner... I had a couple of, because I'd lived in France before and I had a few like thoughts. I thought, okay, well, firstly, we need to dress okay. We need to not be slobs. And I I knew firstly that we had to not arrive on the dot, that we should arrive a few minutes later. Yep, yep. um, Because otherwise it's impolite to turn up exactly on time Mm -hmm. uh, because you're not giving the host enough time to like get ready. Mm -hmm. And then the second thing was, you said, should we bring some wine? And I said, no, because they're going to have the best wine known to man. I don't want to try and fumble about and bring something yes. shitty, but mm. they're going to pull up wine from their cellar. So let's just bring her an incredible bunch of flowers. How lovely. And yeah. you nailed it. And I must have dressed okay. Yeah, um, but I remember when we rocked up to their place, it was in an incredible part of Paris. Mm. These were big homes. And I think we had a sense. I mean, how lovely was it of them to invite us to dinner? So Uh, lovely. But that's very good of you because they would have extended, as a lot of people do in this world, oh, if you're ever in such and such, you should, but no one ever does. Yeah. But But I'd emailed them. Yeah. Mm. And And it was real. And I... 
remember meeting her mother and her aunt. So her mother and her aunt. Now, they were from, they were Turkish. And I remember their daughters that were getting ready to go to bed. One of them came and started playing the piano. Do you recall that? I do. And she gave us a, uh, you know, a couple of sonatas in F major. (laughs) And honestly, I just thought, hang on a sec, she's five. She looks three. She had to be lifted up on the stool and she's probably a child prodigy. So we're being entertained. And the food just... I, I, I mean, I'm a big eater, Anne, and you can eat too. But the food just kept coming. And then it just kept coming and coming. And we, and we weren't even near the main meal. Like the entrees and the, the, before, yeah. the, the befores and the befores before the befores. And then the cheeses before the other cheeses before the third cheeses before the whatever. And this was French hospitality on a level yeah. that was just incredible. And the wines. And he, mm. the, the husband was so lovely. And he brought out some serious wines. And they yeah. loved us. They and loved that's us. Why, that's why I said, let's not even bother with wine. And I know that she did appreciate the flowers because I picked each stem individually. So lovely, Anne. That was, that was really wonderful. That was honestly a highlight of that trip for me because I'd never been to a legendary established, French established. dinner parties. Yeah. yeah, and it was so nice to be there with their family and their kids were beautiful and it was like the grandma and the great aunt. I know, they, they, lo- just... they loved us. Yeah. And you know, look, you and I, Anne, we've we've been around the traps, and we and we we are nice people, and yeah. I don't think that many people would have received that that warm and sincere invite. Annie, I just I, I, I thank you very much for having me on your show. Thank you, Dad. I love thank it. I, I I really look forward to it. Oh. Yeah, thank you so much, and we've had such great adventures together. So I thought. Um, yeah, there's lots of great stories we can tell. So thank Amazing. you. We are a family of storytellers. We are. <laughs>